0: It's Anthony Taylor here with SME Strategy, and I'm uh, joined by Neelima Firth, who's the principal of her consulting company called Best Laid Plans. Uh, In addition to being a consultant herself, uh, she's also the past president of ASP, which is the Association for Strategic Planning, and is currently as well uh, on the board. Neelima, how are you today?
1: I'm very well, and glad to speak with you, Anthony.
0: Well, it was my sincere pleasure as I was finding you on LinkedIn. Just definitely a lot of great experience um, in the strategic planning world and in an area that's very close to my heart, the small to medium enterprise space. But why don't you tell uh, our listeners a bit more about yourself, about your company, and um, and what excites you about strategic planning?
1: Well, um my background is in biotech and pharmaceuticals. So I started off my career at uh, Glaxo, and you can hear from the accent. Uh, I'm from England. So I worked at Glaxo, uh, Bristol Myers Squid, uh, Amgen, and then the Alfred Mann Foundation. And um, my interest really in small and medium sized enterprises is because when I joined Amgen, I actually helped set up the uh, UK office. And I could see how important it was for a small team to be able to be effective, to uh, work together, and to have a vision and a goal. And that's how I really got interested in strategic planning. I didn't know it then. I I didn't know what the term was, strategic planning, until quite, I'm going to say quite recently. I thought of it as more of an academic exercise. But as I've learned more uh, I've seen that uh, I've probably been doing it uh, most of my career.
0: Excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, it's such a, whether you call it strategic planning or not one way or the other, you're definitely applying some of the principles of strategic planning. And then uh, I think from in the practice, it's just, you know, what kind of framework are you using? And if you're using it as an ad hoc or, or, you know, really a, a developed system and it depends on each, uh, each business. So, do you mind if I ask you a bit more about your experience uh, leading small teams and, and what, you know, what the, the key learnings you got from that are? Because I think most of our listeners uh, operate in that SME space from you know, 50 to 200 employees. And I don't know if that's what you consider a small team or not. But
1: um, it, it depends. I, I think the most uh, important thing is having a strategy or goal. And um, I guess I'm using the terms uh, interchangeably, um, though you might consider a goal, uh, a subset of strategy, but having an overall vision or mission of what you're trying to achieve uh, and having a clear vision of what that outcome is, and then breaking down the components of that strategy. What do you have to do to actually achieve that outcome? And... um, I think when you're a smaller team, it becomes absolutely critical that you communicate very effectively with with, um, each of the team members and that each team team member knows what their role and their responsibility is. And together with that, you have some accountability. So I, I found it very important to have a very clear view of what the mission was having a solid team that uh, each of them were contributing and knew what their role was um, in contributing to that overall goal and then measuring regularly the performance of the team so that we knew we were um, meeting that goal. And part of that uh, performance measurement was uh, having very, very regular communication, whether it was meetings, um, emails, uh, collaboration
0: in some way was uh key to success absolutely so i'd love to learn more about those uh some of your, your best practices but really on the on the subject of communication being so key um can you speak uh, the culture of communication and and how you develop how one would develop culture in an organization even a small team like that
1: yes So <laughs> that's um you've actually hit uh, on something when you asked that question about culture because uh, people are so critical to the success of the organization and uh, who the leader is, uh, is critical to the success of an organization, of a project. And um, for culture, it's all about the values, what they are and what they want um, and what you as an individual or a leader want them to be so um, i think uh, culture becomes critical and uh, you as a team member or a team leader need to model the behavior you want to see in the people that you're working with and then create an environment to get the engagement that you want so you talked about communication well um, i actually think it's pretty important to be able to have the a physical environment that uh, enables that collaboration. Um, so, like we're talking on the phone, uh, we, we're not uh, physically with each other. Um, but you have to create a rapport with people who you may never have met. So, I've been on teams with people across the, you know, across the uh, continent, and um, I don't know what they look like. We've never met. But we, you know, we have a goal that we have to achieve over three or four months. So even though we're not with each other, we have a strong team spirit and a culture of uh, working together. But culture becomes important because it reflects the values of the organization
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things even for for my company, for the first, you know, 2 years I was working with an assistant and I think I saw her one time in the first year. Um and she didn't even live that far away, but I think that's one of the importances uh, you know, just having those those team meetings and if you don't develop strategy regularly, having, you know, like a strategy offsite where everybody can get together and really focus on on bonding and and getting to know each other because you guys are a team at the end of the day, right?
1: Yeah. And also, um, I'm going to say when somebody isn't a cultural fit, uh, you you have to do something about it uh, quickly because it can uh, really derail you. And I think of an example of somebody I I worked with, um, we were in a startup mode. And the thing about uh, being in a startup is you have some ambiguity at the beginning while you're working out your roles and responsibilities. And uh, she had uh, difficulty dealing with that ambiguity. So that doesn't mean they're not a good person and they wouldn't be a good fit in a different organization. But uh, um, we were in startup mode and she didn't quite fit in the culture. And uh, we had to do something so it didn't derail the rest of the team.
0: Absolutely. no, I understand that. So, I mean, speaking to that team dynamic and especially in the startup world because some might look at, you know, a company like Amgen or any other big corporation say, of course, they do strategic planning and, of course, they have a, a strategy department. They're huge. But can you really uh, speak to how important it is to implement strategic planning principles for any size of company? Uh, yes,
1: absolutely. Um, I think in... in- a startup um, quite often you'll have a, a very very small team perhaps with one person who has a vision of where they want to go um, but you need to have some uh, truth telling around as well <laughs> so how do you know how do you know you're going to get where you want to go if you don't have a good idea of where you are today so I, I see one principle of strategic planning is uh, truth telling and knowing where you are. So even though you're a small company, you need to create a structure where you collect and share data and information from stakeholders and um, customers. So an example I can give is uh, one particular project I'm working with is um, with a hospital product. So um, the person has this kind of great idea And uh, so, well, you're going to have to find out from hospital administrators if this is how they actually work. You know, uh, it's very difficult to introduce a new product in an area when you don't understand how decisions are made or uh, how things actually work. So truth-telling becomes very important for a small organization because it can make or break you very, very quickly. So that's kind of one aspect of of, um, strategic planning. The other is uh, not trying to do too many changes too quickly. It becomes very, very difficult to manage um, uh, multiple changes and and you don't know what's working and what is not working. So I always like um, combining familiarity with um, uh, innovation. So have a good plan, put some change initiatives in place and prioritize which of those changes you're actually going to do and which you're just going to put to one side so that you've got this mixture of familiarity and innovation. And that usually is much more acceptable to the outside world, uh, much more quickly. And for companies, it's uh, much more important to get the funding from investors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if I hear, I mean, to paraphrase what you're saying, that that consistency and and like sticking to a plan um, for for two sides, one, so, you know, your stakeholders know, you know, where you're going and what they can sort of expect you to do. And on the other hand, reducing change fatigue from your people. So they, you know, consistently, you you stay on one message and move forward until, until uh, completion, you focus, focus on one uh, course until success. That's what I've heard it called. So.
1: Exactly. Um, you don't want to stick to a plan uh, in the light of changing information around you, though. So um, you have to be open. Uh, if I go back to the truth telling, that uh, you need uh, data input uh, from customers, from uh, statistics that you purchase, and where the uh, trends are as well. So you need to be agile.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, I think you alluded to it, definitely shared a few of your, of your best practices there, um, most notably communication and various degrees of it from, you know, getting the information from your stakeholders to sharing communication internally as a team. Um, and then, you know, not relying on one source, one data point to, to drive decisions. Um, what yeah. are some other risks that you would advise? Uh, what would other risks that you would avoid as part of the planning process?
1: <laughs> there are plenty of risks in how it can go wrong. Um, I, I think the the thing that I've seen from more bigger organisations rather than smaller is that they create a plan based on what they're doing now rather than a new strategic vision. Hmm. So it becomes easier to I'm going to call it tweak around the edges um, uh, because it's a it's a risk averse strategy. <laughs> um you know you're not going to go far wrong um in in sort of um small changes but that's what it is it's small thinking small planning and um, it it kind of uh, misses the boat there in terms of overall strategy there um i'd say the other is um if you don't track progress on the plan or the plan never gets executed so you've got this vision but there's no um no methodology for executing. You have to put uh, quality standards in and you have to put people who become responsible and accountable for executing on the plan. And that's the most common thing I've seen, by the way, is that uh, uh, work is put into a strategic plan, uh, but they don't regard it as a living document. They regard it as something on a binder that you put on the shelf, and then you go, great, done it. But it's not communicated to people who have to uh, execute on it. Uh, I can think of some examples where um, one organization I was with had um, as part of the plan a a substantial increase in the sales of a product, Um, but that same uh, goal was not communicated to some of the people working in supply chain and distribution, hmm. and it had an impact on them. So uh, uh, that's the kind of systems thinking approach to to thinking how one activity can change others. So those are the other kind of uh, risks that, that you can have, as well as um, don't forget to create contingencies for upside and downside, you know, something <laughs> execute better than you expect or worse than you expect. You, you have to have some plans in place for those
0: yeah absolutely well i mean that leads into our, our next question you know perfectly but you know really uh before we jump into that looking at the entire system as a whole and then creating goals and strategies that are a, not just individual business units but the organization as a whole because they all you know collaborate together and, and i found that that's how you get uh, people really bought in because they all know how they can contribute in their own way and everybody really plays as a team then.
1: Yes, and that you get buy-in as well when uh, people are included. When you have a purely top-down approach, um, people uh, may be told what they want to, what they have to do, but that's not the best way of getting uh, engagement.
0: Absolutely. So how else... And you definitely alluded to it. How else do you align strategy and performance? You talked about the measurements, um, and you talked about the communication. You know, how how does when the rubber hits the road? How do you make strategic planning uh, really quantifiably valuable?
1: I think uh, um, it's tying in a, a number of those things. But people need to know the strategy in the first place, so that they can execute against it. They so have to communicate the strategy to everyone. And the best way is to include those people in the process early. So strategy is the what and the execution is the how. So to align performance, you've got to measure what is important to reaching that over, uh, goal. And you can use many tools. I've used the, um, I'm going to call it the modified balance scorecard. <laughs> and modified means either Reduce the complexity because it's uh, uh, I, uh, I or you know smaller organisations don't want to spend all their time fulfilling a tool. They want to you know grow uh, grow the business. And uh, so you know having a tool to to measure it and having the right uh, key performance indicators and that is what is um, kind of aligns performance. If I can. Uh, tell you a story. Um, I used to run a call center for medical information and there's um, very standard measures that you can use for a call center, mostly based on uh, efficiency and shortening the uh, call duration. Um, and actually, it was pretty early in my career, so my boss told me what the measures were. So I did it for about uh, two months and I thought it was not working. And um, I started to involve the team as to what was really important in the call centre. And I think I've just told you that I work in biotech and pharmaceutical. And uh, really, um, the people we were talking to, which were doctors, pharmacists, and nurses, they didn't want to stay longer than they needed to on the call. So it wasn't actually a useful measure for us. What was more useful was our ability to um, empathise with the person, to deal with uh, the question uh, pleasantly and effectively. So really the measure we needed was whether we could resolve the questions that they were asking and whether we could do it in a, a consistent manner so that it didn't matter who they talked to, they were going to get the, the right technical um, answer. So I say that uh, you know, performance drives um, or the measures drive behaviour. So if you start to measure people by how long they're on the telephone and the shorter is better, guess what? They're going to cut people off. So that's not what we wanted to do. We, uh, the call centre was there for a different purpose. We weren't sending out brochures. We were answering technical questions. So key performance indicators are an important tool but choose carefully what those Key performance
0: indicators are absolutely. I couldn't. uh, I couldn't say it better myself. One of the things that we do here is we just focus on what are your three like highest objectives that are going to move the needle towards your vision, and just keep it simple. Because if you have too many, I think you alluded to the balance scorecard. love the balance scorecard institute, but uh, you know, if you have too many things, then you don't know what to focus on in the first place, and it just causes confusion. So. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, so,
1: I call it feeding the beast. If you have a very complicated tool, you spend uh, too much time uh, uh, gathering the data to uh, provide the statistics that the tool needs. And uh, the danger is that you're not then moving your um, business forward. So just like you said, the, the three, four things that are in, the important uh, drivers.
0: Absolutely. So um, uh, one more. Is there any other sort of piece of advice that you would give to, and we definitely talked a lot about a lot of great strategies, a lot of good tactics, keeping it simple, keeping communication there, culture fit, truth telling, um, and every member has their own roles and responsibility. But is there any other uh, recommendation you would give to a CEO or a manager that's leading strategy? Uh,
1: Listen to your people. And uh, the best strategy doesn't just come top down, it also comes bottom up. So uh, the people who are involved in the organization can have ideas and suggestions that could really help your business. Um, I was just reading in the paper today that the, um, the inventor of the Big, Big Mac just died. And, uh, you know, he was a franchisee, he came up with the idea but McDonald's heard him, and the rest is history. So listen to your people.
0: That's, that's fantastic. I, I can't think of any better way to, uh, that's just great advice right there. So thank you, uh, Um Before we let you go, can you tell us a bit about uh, ASP? As I was chatting with you before um, we actually got on this call, that uh, the, what set me on my career path? was going to the annual strategic planning conference and this year it's in my home country of canada so i'm very um proud proud of that but can you tell us a little bit about asp and what it does and and you know where it's going
1: i'd be uh, happy to uh, i'm very glad you asked me that question so the Association for strategic planning it's a member-based organization and the idea is to um help people with the tools and the um, information that they need to be able to do a better job for themselves. So we find it a um, we find it as a community. So like you went to the conference, about 150 200 people come to the conference. We hear from great speakers, but usually from organisations and governments. And it's um, uh, you know we have a different levels of people. So you'll have directors, VPs but you also have subject matter experts, as well as um, consultants. So it's a, it's a great way of uh, learning from people, but I also find that I'm connecting with uh, other people who do similar work to me. And I am learning also from people in other uh, industries. So I've just said I work in biotech and pharma, but that doesn't mean I can't uh, learn from somebody who works in the food industry or who works in a a government organization. Um, At one meeting, I got talking to somebody who does strategic planning at the Food and Drug Administration in uh, Washington, D.C. So for me, and I think for many other people, uh, ASP allows you to network and learn. They also do uh, webinars. So even if you can't attend uh, a local meeting or the annual conference, There's a way of learning from other people through the uh, webinar series. And uh, we're growing and uh, we find that we get more and more uh, people from different organizations starting to get involved in ASP. And it's a great way to volunteer, by the way, and learn even more.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. And I know there's a lot of opportunities out there. So um, I look forward to connecting with uh, some of the listeners here at the ASP conference in May in Toronto. And then um, again, constant education online. So, uh, Neeloma, where can people uh, get a hold of you if they want to connect?
1: Oh, I'm on LinkedIn, and I can assure you there's no other Neeloma Firth out there. So, do connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'd be happy to connect.
0: Fantastic. So, it's Anthony Taylor here of SME Strategy, and I've been chatting with Neelama Firth of Best Lay Plans. Neeloma, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Anthony.